Recently, I had a couple of wisdom teeth removed. Like most surgical procedures that I have had in the past 20 years or so, I had done this one much later than I should have. I attribute these perverse delays to an entirely irrational belief that seeking medical intervention betrays some failing on my part and indicates a sign of, dare I admit this in public, a particular weakness. Throughout my time in her office, the dentist kept telling me how much easier the procedure was with teenagers and how much better they fared than middle-aged patients such as myself. I found her observations in no way helpful to me and with repetition, frankly, increasingly irritating. We could both easily agree that I was no longer a kid and that there were obviously liabilities associated with that fact. Indeed, these liabilities mounted, as they are wont to do. I had a return visit first for a prescription antiseptic mouthwash and then another visit the following week for a prescribed round of antibiotics. Alongside these office visits were repeat trips to the grocery store for tapioca pudding and applesauce, foods that I had thought wrongly, clearly, that I had long ago outgrown. It was on these particular drives that I met Our Lady Comforter of the Afflicted. She shelters at a parish in Waltham, for those of you who were wondering. Having been raised a Catholic and educated in parochial schools, I have known many a lady in my day, but never one who made it so plain what her line of business was. Whizzing by Our Lady Comforter of the Afflicted on the way to Star Market, I found myself strangely touched by her presence by the side of that road in Waltham. I am familiar with extensive lore around Mary the Blessed Virgin, Holy Mother of God, by her several names. According to their signage, the good people of this local parish knew her by the acronym OLCA, or OLCA for short. I was glad to know that Olka existed and hoped that she managed to comfort a great many of the afflicted. In the midst of a pandemic, my dental woes barely seemed to qualify me, although I imagine Olka could spare some comfort for me just the same. Since the global outbreak of the coronavirus, I suspect that many people have turned to one Madonna or another in their daily prayers and rounds. So last month, I decided to attend an online meeting of the Way of the Rose, a non-sectarian rosary fellowship started by a married couple, Clark Strand and Perdita Finn, a former Buddhist monk and his avowedly atheist wife, who both live in Woodstock, New York, they described their novel organization as an open-hearted, inclusive community of people dedicated to the forgotten wisdom of the rosary and to the lady, by whatever name you like to call her. We are not affiliated with the Catholic Church or any other religious institution, they explain in their literature, nor do we seek to build a new one. We support one another in praying for our heart's desires. They run numerous circles where people can bring just such prayers. 
The circle I joined online did not involve the standard Catholic prayers, although some people did say recognizable variants of the Hail Mary. Everyone was invited to pray in their mother tongue, and on this particular evening, we heard the rosary said in Greek, Spanish, and German, in addition to English, by people from around the world with divergent religious backgrounds and an assembly of spiritual practices. According to Clark and Perdita, people are united primarily by their willingness to seek and accept divine mothering and nurture. And this necessitates their being more childlike than perhaps they would be otherwise. Take a look at religious iconography and it is immediately apparent that the Madonna is known by her close proximity to the child that clings to her. In 2019, Clark and Perdita published a book titled The Way of the Rose, The Radical Path of the Divine Feminine Hidden in the Rosary. It serves as a kind of handbook for their eclectic and far-flung marital fellowship. In the book, the couple write, there is one delusion at the bottom of human experience today. The belief that you live in a motherless, comfortless world. This is the source of all other delusions and the cause of all unhappiness. Cataloging apparitions of the Madonna, they mentioned her appearance at Guadalupe in 1531 in the midst of a devastating genocide, disrupting and cutting life short in the Americas. And in Portugal in 1918, just ahead of the start of the spread of the Spanish influenza. When people most needed comfort in their distress, the pair observe, they got imaginal contact with the Blessed Mother. That was also the case in Woodstock in 2011, when she appeared to Clark saying, remain calm and very, very still. In essence, she directed him to let himself be soothed. She suggested he pray the rosary and he did. He then taught others to do the same. There is plenty of good reason that the use of prayer beads has persisted for millennia across traditions and across continents too. There is a primal and nonverbal appeal to the practice that literally gives people something to hold on to, something to help them feel more securely attached. The authors liken it to a metaphysical umbilical cord, a powerful connecting line to the source of our being, the matrilineal succession of our own existence. The rosary that I used for the online meeting I attended had belonged to my grandmother when she was alive. It was a string of wooden beads from Jerusalem that I inherited after her death. Like most of the women in my family of a certain generation, my grandmother had a deep devotion to saying the rosary. She said it often after her youngest daughter, my own mother, died tragically young. My grandmother needed the blessed mother then, especially. She needed to know that the mother of all mothers was there. The devotion that my Irish Catholic grandmother and my aunts all had to the rosary made a profound impression on me at an early age. It suggested to me, counter to my individual experience and contrary to a preponderance 
of earthly evidence. But there was actually no such thing as a motherless child. Not only did my mother die during my infancy, but I lost a couple of stepmothers subsequent to her, too, only to divorce instead of death. So I do understand how fraught each Mother's Day is for so many of us year after year. For some in our number, I know, it never seems to get any easier. But there is always more mothering that can come to us in unlikely ways. In Catholic school, my good friend, the second youngest in a family of 12 children, recruited me to join the Legion of Mary. I have sometimes jokingly referred to this as the Rosary Brigade, but our work was quite serious and we were devoted to it. Once a week, we gathered after school to sit in a circle and pray the rosary, and once a month, we went to a local nursing home to pray the rosary with the elderly residents there. Quite a number of them had memory issues and could never recall where their rosary beads were. So we had strings of plastic beads to deliver them month after month in assorted pastel hues. As a schoolgirl, I was struck by how much of our help they needed, by their childlike dependency on us, the very youngest in a room of elders. I recognized then that our younger selves are always embodied in our older selves. And they always need mothering, too. Honestly, I am not inclined to continue with the way of the rose as much as I admire their sense of global mission. The comparison to my Legion of Mary days made the whole enterprise feel a little too odd for me. But I commend their bravery in confronting that dismaying delusion that we live in a motherless and comfortless world and admire their fairly ingenious interfaith response to that. A woman roughly my age, who is a lifelong Unitarian Universalist, told me this spring how difficult it had been witnessing her mother's recent decline into dementia, and how strange it seemed that much of what her mother remembered belonged to a Catholic upbringing many, many decades ago. Then suddenly, this woman told me, she started spying the Blessed Mother everywhere herself, in art and literature and area grottos too. So I gave her a rosary for my personal reserve. I have several more than just my grandmother's and a hyperlink to the way of the rose. Now she can see for herself where the way leads and if she finds herself at home on it. Those of us who serve congregations know that the second most popular Sunday in American churches, after Easter, of course, is Mother's Day. We know, too, that an element of this is adult children appeasing their marvelous mothers who wonder why they do not attend services more regularly. Indeed, some of you have asked me that very question and have yet to get a satisfactory response. I apologize for that. But I do believe that there is a strong spiritual underpinning to this so-called Hallmark holiday as well. The American holiday has its origins with a famous Unitarian, Julia Ward Howe, author of Battle Hymn of the Republic. She started the observance in 1872, just a year after the founding of UU Wellesley Hills, 
in the wake of the Civil War as a peace movement led by women. You may recall that stirring reading in our gray hymnal that opens, Arise, women of this day. Arise, all women who have hearts. Arise, women and men and everyone, children and siblings alike, arise. All of us here today have hearts, and they are beating still, thank God. That should signal in some foundational way that we each received good enough mothering, as clinicians frequently say, from whatever sources it came, good enough to bring us to life and to keep us alive through the years. But that pervasive peace and spiritual uplift that people are seeking on Mother's Day, mothers especially, has to do with feeling alive, feeling at home in this world, feeling a sense of cosmic belonging, feeling the comfort of knowing how truly they are beloved. Who mothers the mothers day in and day out? Who taught the first mother to mother? At some instinctual level, we look to the mother of all mothers by whatever name she is known. In Waltham, that is Olka. We invariably ask a lot of Our Lady, wherever we might find her. Any standing Madonna is usually depicted with her arms spread open, ready to give and receive and embrace. This is the blessed community. The, this is the blessed communion of mirroring and mutuality. In our infancy, we learn to know the world by literally taking hold of it. Babies are often grasping things in their tiny hands and then seeing if they will fit in their tiny mouths. What both the Way of the Rose and the Legion of Mary know is that we humans have a lifelong religious impulse to take hold of things like rosary beads and prayer cards and then hold on for dear life. Having something secure to hold on to lets us release any number of things that we would be much better off without. Our anguish, dismay, insecurity, and if possible, affliction. Our contemporary Mother's Day celebrations are recognizably descended from those feast days when devout believers crowned Mary Queen of the May. Only instead of strewing roses at Mary's feet, we hand deliver a bouquet of flowers to mom. Again this year, I know that the holiday will be hard for many of you. You may be kept apart from your aging mothers or adult children or grandchildren. You may have felt your family life strictly constrained by the dire reality of this pandemic. My heart is heavy with your sadness. But I hope this day of devotion might hold some comfort for you, nonetheless, and conceivably some joy. Today, I'm in much less pain than I was even a few days ago, so I should really be heralding the marvels of modern dental medicine from this pulpit. But frankly, I am more tempted to pay some tribute, special tribute, to Our Lady, Comforter of the Afflicted, partly because she is nearby and now a perennial feature of my local landscape. 
I told my friends that I only had my molars out so late in life because I was determined to extract every last bit of wisdom from them and that despite it all, I believed that I succeeded. Who knows? Only time will tell. But whether we take hold of rosaries or tuck them away or find them entirely mystifying, I hope that we can still tap the wisdom of the divine, that the divine feminine holds for all of us in humanity. Each Madonna, whether in Guadalupe or Woodstock or Fatima or Waltham, stands for precisely that wisdom. At every age, we need mothering. At any age, we can give mothering to one another. It helps all of us to ask in phone calls, emails, texts, calls, poems, songs, prayers, and yes, beads. For the mothering we each need, it helps keep us close. <laughs>